You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition. We do it on Mondays, and we are so excited to be answering your questions starting to feel like football season a little bit we see contracts signed from the rookies they're walking into the building it's time to go and we are so ready for it uh here and also ready maybe not ready as ready as i am i don't know is my dear pals first find him on twitter at chief in carolina maddie lane how we doing I'm doing great because we are starting to get a little bit of real football news and now we can all quit pretending on Twitter to be excited over like 18 different curveballs thrown like we actually care about baseball or something like that. Like how many different sliders and curveballs are you going to tweet out and act like it's the coolest thing that you've ever seen as if you haven't been watching baseball for the past 153 million years? Have you seen Brady Singer's two-seamer? It's a thing of beauty. Kent is now talking to me about a fastball. Real it's cool, a two-seamer. Guys. He run it runs off the plate into the into the plate and st- it was beautiful. It can was you, nasty. Oh, can you go any longer on that? Like can you give me a play-by-play on this two-seamer before it's tweeted out to me 13 times? I don't want to. I don't want to dignify that with a response. No. I would like to move on to something much, much, much more important. I need everybody, when you hear this, to go onto Twitter, find Craig Stout's Twitter page, wish him a very, 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 very happy Monday because this man needs to be verified on Twitter. I need you guys all to get after Twitter verified at them. Get Craig Stout verified. He is a superstar. Tell them that the Renaissance man needs to be known Please, Craig, tell us how you would feel about this great gift on a Monday. Um, I'm sorry, I, I fell asleep at the baseball talk. What was that? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't make it through that part. If you can maybe go back and reintroduce, I just heard my name and I perked up all of a sudden. I'm so we're, sorry. We're just trying to get you verified on Twitter tomorrow. That's all. Oh, don't do that. Nobody wants that. Everybody I do. wants that. I do. Uh, let's go ahead and answer the five-star review questions because this is just derailing, uh, as usual. This We derail very quickly on this show. This happens like once a month. Like, let's just be honest. Maybe but we bring more. it back real quick. We bring it back at like such a speed like somebody could probably fall asleep listening to baseball talk before we bring it back. Yeah, five-star review questions time. <laughs> Gar says uh he said a lot of really nice things it's a very long and he admits it was kind of long so shout out to gar for the very 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 kind words but answers question now though i agree that moving lucas niang to guard wouldn't be wise at all and could be detrimental for his development if the vision is for him as a left tackle however if the plan one year out is to likely trade or cut eric fisher what do you think about trying to move him to left guard this year maddie 
That would be an interesting move. I think it would be hard to convince Eric Fisher if you're planning on cutting him to want to play guard. He's left tackle. He probably wants to be paid left tackle market value. I believe he's pretty much always played tackle in the NFL and going back to college, if I'm not mistaken. So just a complete position change right before he's going to hit the market at a lower valued position would, I think, be a hard pill to convince him to take. And then I'm not so sure that Eric Fisher's the kind of guy that would excel as a guard. He's a little bit leaner. He deals with speed a little bit better than he deals with power. I would almost be a little afraid letting some bigger defensive tackles get a lineup head up on Eric Fisher and just walk him backwards. Because as good as he can be at times outside, I just think you're going to highlight all of his weaknesses if you kick him inside. Caleb McGinnis asks, saw the AP depth chart 1.0. Uh, can you talk about the tight end two battle? And do you think John Lovett could crack the top three? Does Ricky Seals Jones make the team over Kaiser? So uh, it's a very open group. I'm not even sure if there's going to be three in the mix. I don't know. It's going to be, it could be two. It could be three. It's just going to be interesting to see, you know, how this whole thing plays out. I don't think Ricky Seals Jones has as great of a shot as people think because he's got to play special teams. And when I was watching, I I watched some of his special team snaps and it was like fine, but it wasn't great. It wasn't anything overwhelming. Ricky Seals Jones has a long ways to go as a blocker. He is a dynamic potential downfield threat as a tight end, which you don't see very often. Um, He's really a big receiver. It's going to be tough for him to make this football team. I think Kaiser has a better chance of making it just because of special teams, because of his ability to block. Um, John Lovett's going to be interesting too, though. I really like him a lot. How do you treat him? Do you treat him like I, I? I think he plays more like I think he's gonna be like more like a fullback, frankly. And if he's gonna be more like a fullback, he's got to beat out Anthony Sherman because I don't think this team's keeping two fullbacks unless Dave Tobe just gets the dream and and gets to just pick you know eighteen players on the on the bottom of this roster. AP Nerd Squad at gmail.com. Adam writes in, hey, guys, love the show. I am bad at Twitter and never catch mailbag prompts, but with the top 100 list only featuring six Chiefs players and the last spot being presumably a toss-up between Clark and Schwartz, it got me thinking about the public perception of Schwartz. Well, Clark just got announced tonight uh, that he was on the list. It does look like it's short. So here we go. Uh, he never gets recognition as one of the best at his position, but every time he's left off a list, he has a defender or has defenders vocally pointing out that he's overlooked. Is it better to be recognized by the media and just be a, yeah, that guy, throwaway, inclusion, or to be overlooked by the media and have a rowdy horde of supporters that takes over comment sections? Keep up the great work. Thanks, Adam. I think Mitchell Schwartz has been fine for the large majority of his career being an overlooked member. You know, the guy that Vaughn Miller's of the world and Khalil Max of the world say is one of the toughest guys to go up against. But as we've gotten further and further into his career, now all of a sudden, I think you're starting to see him take it personal. I think you're starting to see the lack of respect for him wearing on him a little bit. Where a guy that, you know, typically doesn't say a whole lot is not one of those, you know, me, me, me type of guys, you know, drawing attention to himself or these sorts of things. Now all of a sudden is starting to be a little more outspoken about his exclusion from a lot of these lists. So from that regard, I think he really wants to be recognized for his efforts. And at this point, I don't think that he is a, yeah, that guy throwaway. I think he is a top right tackle. And if he's a top right tackle, he deserves to be on this list. He's a top tackle overall. He's probably in the top 10 easily. So why wouldn't he be on a top 100 list? 
especially when you got guys like Chris Carson that we find out or Cooper Cup. Darren Waller. Darren Waller. Derek Carr's tight end. I just, listen, Mitchell Schwartz makes significantly more of an impact than than any of those guys do. Darren So if he doesn't make the list, then I, it, it's really a, another tragedy in this line of just complete overlooking because he doesn't, quote, have elite traits. It's just, I, the, this is the players voting, and I don't get it. The players screw up so much. Uh, let's jump to Twitter. <laughs> Jordan Smith uh, asks, is Kalichi Osemele a better fit at right guard or left guard, assuming Martinez Rankin is the other starting guard, Maddie. I believe that Osimile has not played right guard in the NFL, or if he has, it's only been in a spot here and there. He has been a left guard both when he was back with the Ravens, the Raiders, then through the Jets. So he should play left guard would be my guess. Martinez Rankin, on the other hand, in the NFL, played left guard briefly for the Chiefs, but also played right tackle for the Texans. And then back in college, I believe he played all five offensive line positions for more than one game. So I would assume he would be the guy that would get bounced around. And even if it's not him, whether Wiley, Rimmers, anybody else, I think that as long as Osimile's healthy, he's going to get his shot at his position he feels the most comfortable with, which should be left guard. Tony 44 asks, is Osimile an upgrade over Laurent Duvernay-Tardif? Well, like Maddie just said, uh, LDT played on the right side. Assimile is going to play on the left side. So it's not an apples-to-apples comparison. It's not just like one dude's walking in and taking the exact same place as the other dude. I would still expect Assimile to play at left guard. But with that being said, comparing their play, yes, he is an upgrade. Um, If he's healthy, there's no reason why Assimile can't be a probably top half of the league guard. Like going back and watching him in 2018 was before his knee injury that he had for Oakland. He was playing at a very high level. I watched him go up against Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue and hold his own more than plenty of times. They trusted him on an island as well against Aaron Donald, and he did well. I mean, and this was a team that went to the Super Bowl. Aaron Donald had an exceptional year that year. Then he got banged up in Oakland. He went over, got traded to the Jets, had a shoulder injury that the team said, no, you don't have a shoulder injury. Other doctors said that he needed to get it fixed. He went ahead and got it fixed and basically ended his season early after they were on their third quarterback and an offensive line that was garbage. So I just basically took the entire 2018 film and put a giant caveat on it and threw it out the window, essentially. But... If you are looking for a film review, I have one that's coming out today. If you are listening to this, it is probably already up. So go and look at that. I think that he has a chance, if healthy, to be an exceptional guard, a significant upgrade over any of the interior offensive linemen that the Chiefs have. I think the first place we kind of got to start here, and I'm sure Craig's touched on it a little bit in this article you're about to read, Clutchio Simile isn't the same type of offensive lineman that the Chiefs currently have on their roster or that Andy Reid has been looking for throughout his past with the Chiefs. He's a lot more of a power player. He's a lot more linear, stronger, more stout. He's kind of like more of a Zach Fulton mold, just a lot better, but he's in that mold rather than your LDT, your Andrew Wiley's, your Eric Fisher's that are these super athletes that can get out into space and make any block you could possibly ask for them on the move. They're super fluid and things like that. Now, that's not necessarily 
a good or a bad thing. It's just a little bit of a shift in style. And I think we've talked about it a few times on this podcast for you guys for the simple fact that the Chiefs no longer have to manufacture yards. They don't need to get their offensive linemen out into space blocking for running backs or for wide receivers on screen plays. They can play a little bit more traditional, and that allows you to get these guys that are a little bit more powerful, stout, and in this case, better than what you currently have. I like the fit of Osimile. I think he's going to help pick up some blitzes, some stunts, things this offensive line has, quite frankly, struggled with a ton since Patrick Mahomes has been out there. And now you're going to give just a little bit more protection up the middle. I think you're going to see a lot more teams try to mush rush or just contain rush Patrick Mahomes to keep him in the pocket. As long as you can hold up more on the interior, he's still equally as deadly. So like, I like the move from the aspect of just protecting up the middle in the pass rush get a little bit stronger of a blocker in the run game. And especially if you're going to shift to a more power gap run scheme or even more inside zone with an addition of Clyde Edwards Hilaire at running back. I could go this whole podcast on how the Chiefs could change their entire offensive philosophy based on just this one move. So I'm going to like can't get in here because do I don't <laughs> think you guys want to listen to that the whole time. But if you do, please let us know on Twitter because we can have a all you know scheme change about offensive guard <laughs> philosophy for the Chiefs. I mean, but there is some there is some signs that that's true. Like there are some changing of the guards uh, happening. I'm not even like that was even trying to be a pun, but like it just flows naturally. I do I do agree with Maddie, and we were kind of spitballing some stuff out here earlier. It's like, do you see more gap? I wonder. I do wonder if that's something that you start seeing integrate a little bit more. It's not. It's not like they completely. It's not like they didn't do it at all last year. They did it a little bit, but I mean, you could see it even a little bit more. Um, Sports fandom twenty two. Since last year, you guys have been predicting Sammy Watkins will be gone and will need to find a wide receiver too. Luckily, the Chiefs figured out a way to bring him back this year. If he plays well again, why is it unthinkable for him to still be here in 2021 on another incentive-based deal? It's not. I don't think it's unreasonable at all. At all. And you saw the, the first barrier to that happening was what happened in 2020, like just this year. You saw Sammy Watkins be willing to restructure his contract, move things around a little bit. Now, at the beginning of the of the offseason, you heard some article from him talking about a lot of stuff and and the value of respect and money and all that stuff. And then later in the offseason, you hear him say like you can only make or you can you can you, something about just like how money doesn't matter basically. And so, I mean, he's all over the place. I don't know what to rely on, but I don't think it's unreasonable to see him back in Kansas City. It, it it's just, it, who knows? It's all it, it could. It, it well it depends on what Sammy Watkins shows up that day. Yeah, if it's bad, Sammy, maybe he wants a little more money. Isn't that what he called himself? Didn't he even call himself Bad Sammy. I don't. Or, I like, I have not been on the Sammy Watkins beat as hard as I should apparently uh, because it's a challenge. It listen the. The man has some strong beliefs, and uh, they do fluctuate from time to time. So, no, it's not unreasonable to think that he could be on another incentive-laden deal, especially if they go out and they win another ring, and the market is cold. Like, Sammy Watkins' market has to be strong, I think, to leave Kansas City. And as long as it's not as strong as maybe he thinks it should be, there's no reason why Kansas City isn't a great place for him to play. He can just continue to be here knowing that he's got the support of the coaching staff, the support of his quarterback, and knowing the scheme, and he can show up. If he's hurt a little bit, that's fine. This organization has shown that they're fine with him doing that. As long as he's there in the big games, then they're cool with it, as you know, evidenced by them bringing him back this year. So 
from that regard, I think somebody's got to knock their socks off a little bit for Sammy to leave town and not want to take a sweetheart deal to stay here. I'm actually going to play devil's advocate here and not even just for fun because I don't expect to see Sammy Watkins back here regardless for a couple reasons. One, I think he made it pretty clear that he wants to have a bigger role in the offense this year. Like he said that he wants to be involved a little bit more. He feels like it's his time to quit letting others shine or something along those lines and he he wants a bigger part. I don't know if he's going to get that here, but if he does then he's going to be in line for more money. If he doesn't, he might want to go somewhere else where he's going to get that opportunity. On top of that, I'm afraid the cap next year is going to be significantly lower than what all the owners were thinking. Paying Sammy Watkins even on an incentive-based deal is likely going to be something that they won't be able to afford. It's probably going to be pretty pricey for the Chiefs to bring him back again on another deal, especially if you get that minimum cap of only $175 million. I just don't think it's going to be in the cards in terms of what he wants out of his production on the field and what the Chiefs are going to be able to afford to pay him. The good news is this wide receiver class in the upcoming draft is absolutely phenomenal. Like Craig said, he's got an article coming out as you're listening to this. So do I. Maybe previewing the wide receivers coming up in the 2021 draft class. Win 16 asks, is there any player in the NFL the Chiefs would trade two firsts, a third, and a player for? Who would make that list that's non-QBs? Oh, absolutely. Is His name is Young Bosa, a.k.a. Nick Bosa, and potentially Chase Young, although I'm a little bit more hesitant without seeing a single snap. But if you could trade two firsts and a third and I mean, any player that I get to choose, then yeah, you, I will bring in Nick Bosa as quick as you could have asked this question. Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, the Bosas. Chase Young. I mean, all no, 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 not the Boses. Just one. Just of one of the. <laughs> Listen, I'll take both Boses. Joey's good. I'll take. I'll take Joe. But for that, whew, whew. I don't know. Now, see here. The question isn't what we would do. The question is, would the Chiefs trade? Yes, Brett. Brett Beach <laughs> is not afraid to trade picks. You guys, I like. It, it it might make your head spin what what Brett Veach is willing to trade for. So I I think that yes, the Brett Veach would trade it, and it might be like a corner or a linebacker or somebody like that. Uh, I I don't. Fred Warner for two firsts, a third, and Anthony Hitchens contract. I love Fred Warner, and no. <laughs> I mean, me either. I'm just like you said, linebacker, and I was like. Well, I mean, the, here's the funny thing. The Chiefs could have just traded. Actually, the Chiefs didn't even need to trade a second-round pick. Let's uh, not go, no, just, don't go down this road. They could have just drafted look. Fred Warner where where they were originally drafting in in uh, in Brett Veach's first draft, but instead they traded up for Breland Speaks. You're going to turn him into but, Ranty Lane. I want to see it. I that this It's not a sore subject at all. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. And we're going to let Maddie breathe a little bit. And then we'll be back right after that. All right, we're continuing the Twitter questions. Curls Eddie asks, um, quarterbacks, I'm worried. It's really more of a comment. <laughs> I, I love it, Curls Eddie. I, I mean, it's not not a, a worry for me, but I think after seeing what Spagnolo Madison Merritt did last year, it, as long as we're promoting articles, I got another one coming out later on this week about uh, expectations of the Chiefs defensive assistant Look coaches. At you and I, I kind of covered those guys a little bit. 
I think if I hadn't seen what they were able to do with the group that they had last year, I would be a lot more worried this year. Certainly not having Bashad Breland for the beginning of the year, if that is the case, is somewhat worrisome. Uh, they're going to have to lean on Rashad Fenton, Legarius Sneed. Who knows? We'll see who ends up over there. But I think that they have more raw talent. I think that they have more athleticism, and I think they have more ball skills in the cornerback spot this year. And Charvarius Ward got his eyes fixed. So let's see if that has any sort of improvement for him as well. It could. So in in that regard, all of that stuff does matter. I think that the, the overall cornerback position is a little bit more talent-rich this season than it was last season. Certainly guys that Steve Spagnuolo wants a little more, Matt, Sam Madison wants a little more. These are guys that I think that they can really work with a little bit better. So I'm cautiously optimistic about a group of unproven guys, but yeah, it's still kind of not a great situation. Curls Eddie, I'm with you. I am very worried about this group. I think, I mean, if you just start working from the top down, Bashad Breland, we still don't exactly know if anything is going to come from his offseason stuff. And besides that, he's kind of been on like a every other year, he's been solid to very bad. So if that's the case, we're kind of set up for a really bad Bashad Breland year. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's just he's been a very inconsistent player. Even last year for the Chiefs, he was inconsistent. Then you go next to Traverius Ward. Are you getting weeks one through four and playoff Charvarius Ward? Are you getting the middle of the season Charvarius Ward? Like, I'm not exactly sure. Rashad Finn's still not proven. Legereus Sneed, I really like the player. I like the potential, but he's a rookie. There is a lot of question marks out there. I think you just kind of have to hope that that second year under Steve Spagnuolo, they can continue to hide this weakness a little bit, be really good up the middle of the field with Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, Dan Sorensen when he's out there, and just continue to make it easier on those guys and make those corners not have to do as much as a lot of other teams, and just kind of hope that you can hang on and figure it out again. Because, I mean, they did it last year. The cornerback room was not any better last year at this point in time, and they were fine on the grand scheme of things. I just I am worried that when you face other elite offenses, they will see these cornerbacks and find a way to tee off on them. They've invested from the middle out this the, the entire time that Brett Veach has really been operating. So he's really placed a high priority on safeties. He's pay, pay, put a high priority up front. You know, they just paid Chris Jones. They they have Frank Clark. They used a second round pick, a top fifty pick on Breland Speaks. Like they very much value you know, the front and working up the middle. They're working the middle of the field and it's worked out great for them. And the safeties have been huge in the success of the cornerbacks. They're going to have to keep doing it. Juan Thornhill is going to have to be ready to go from jump street. And the, the safety group is going to have to continue to do what they did to really help mask the, ineffic- the, the inconsistency of the cornerback position. Cause that's, I mean, that's the reality. And they're, they're short this year. They're going to get Rashad Fenton, Legereus Sneed are getting thrown into the fire. They just are. They're getting thrown into the fire here uh, for the first four games of the year. It's not like they're entirely easy. The Clan McLean. What week does Patrick Mahomes pull out the behind-the-back pass? Watching the Instagram video, and if you haven't seen the Instagram video, there is one of him throwing a ball behind his back. It looks extremely viable as an option. I really believe it's not un- unbelievable to say that you are going to see the behind-the-back pass this year. Now, it might be when they're blowing out Denver 
you know, and they're, you know, it, it might be one of those situations where they're just, you know, because I think, I think Hungry Pig Flight was a hung, like that happened against Denver too. Bloated Tebow pass. Yes. That Bloated was Denver. Tebow. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think that's, you know, it's probably going to be Denver in a blowout. Drew Locke's thrown his fourth interception. The Chiefs get back on the field. And Patrick Mahomes throws one behind the back. Uh, that's just my guess. The te- Tex-Mex guy, which aspect of the Chiefs game do you think will be the most impacted by no crowd noise? This is interesting to me. As For the players, I don't know how much it's going to affect them. And it could be a lot and it could be none. I do think we've all seen that Arrowhead gets really loud. You've seen quarterbacks on the opposing team struggle to get protection calls or play calls changed at the line of scrimmage. We've seen false starts, delay games, so on and so forth. We've all seen that. I wonder with complete dead silence if it's just going to be awkward for the players at all. Like just awkward sitting there as a quarterback staring directly into Chris Jones' eyes or Frank Clark's just glare. Like what's that going to be like for them? Because that's not something they've dealt with since like high school football. So that just might be a bit awkward. But I do think it hurts a team like the Chiefs whose home field advantage, a lot of it is predicated on having that really loud crowd. And even if it only affects a couple calls here and there like that still makes an impact throughout the whole game yeah the main thing that's going to affect for me is my ability to hear frank clark talk that all game long (laughs) and i want a direct feed of that i know that nbc cbs fox is not going to provide that to me so nfl you let me know how much i need to pay to get Frank Clark's mic turned on directly to my computer all game long thank you very much but i think that the refs like Maddie said, I think the refs do feed off of the crowd. I think they do feed off of the home field advantage a little bit. You will kind of feel the tides turn a little bit. They're human. They make mistakes too. I think that that's probably something that could be a big, big deal in the NFL this year. Just refs not making game calls that may necessarily go for the home team. I also, like, I do think there are some players that feed off the adrenaline uh, of of the crowd. I think there's some people that, that do definitely they need some of that adrenaline rush that they get from playing in front of those people. And this game's really hard to play without the adrenaline. I mean, it really is. Like, you have to have it. Like, it's mandatory. So I do wonder if that's just going to affect somehow how some guys are able to kind of reach in and find that, that adrenaline. Might affect how some people... Lo- like, some people may not love football enough to want to play in front of an empty crowd. Like, there's there's some guys out there in this league that are doing it for, you know, the recognition and all that stuff too. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult if you're not doing it with the fans. Brandon, 422, you're supposed to draft a year ahead to replace a player. Assuming Okafor and Taco Charlton are gone after this year, is Mike Dana the future at defensive end? And what does that say about the direction they're going at defensive end? Well, I mean, I think it's tough to say Mike Dana is the future because you don't say statements like that about a fifth round pick that's never played. Um, it does tell me kind of the same way we were talking about the guard. We've talked about this a lot. There are some, it does seem like they are bending some rules and some exceptions for the kinds of players that they are bringing in from a size perspective, from a tight perspective. Dana doesn't fit any of the typical thresholds of a Steve Spagnuolo defensive end. Um, I do think he could be a rotational player. I think there's a chance he could. Um, and yeah, Okafor and Taco Charlton are potentially gone after this enti- after this season. The Chiefs are going to be very thin because Tano Passanio is gone too. 
you're going to need Mike Dana to prove himself to be a rotational player. Him and a guy like Damone Harris, you really hope show enough to stick on a 53-man roster. Uh, but you're gonna need you're gonna need an injection of talent there pretty quick here. Steve Spagnuolo loves defensive ends that play his way. Mike Dana isn't necessarily a type of defensive end that plays his way because he's not that kind of length of player. So in that regard, I think that they're going to address it one way or another next offseason, whether that be through the draft, if they try and acquire a guy, if they keep one of these guys that they have on the roster already. I do think that's the case. But I did want to kind of throw this out there. Mike Dana in his contract signing picture, I said this to these guys, he's already looked to have dropped the Michigan weight. Like he, he looks a little bit thinner than he did last year at Michigan. It looks like he's been working out pretty heavily. If that's the case, then he's probably playing even lighter than the already too, not necessarily too light, but lighter version of a Spagnolo defensive end. I'm just not sure what they're going to do with him yet. Is he Kyle Van Noy? I know, I know Maddie likes to kind of pump that a little bit there. We'll see. We may just see him moved around a lot and less so as a traditional defensive end. I think if we're assuming that Okafor and Taco Charlton are gone, then that is means I'm going to assume that Passanio is back because I don't see any way that all three of them are gone. Like I, The way this defensive end room looks, I don't think you can rely on a mid-day three pick to come in and be a starter the second year, especially when he's such a change from what they prefer and are already have a defensive end. So I would assume that you are keeping one at least of Alex Okafor, Taco Charlton, and Tano Passanio. In this scenario, Passanio is the only one left available. And I still think defensive end is going to be one of the highest priorities in the draft next year. I would love to say they can play in the free agent market again at the position, but I just think they're going to be way too cash strapped with a lower cap with Patrick Mahomes money, not being a ton, but getting up there. Chris Jones's cash coming in. Like they have big contracts to pay next year with not a lot of cap space. So I think you're going to have to draft a defensive end and bring back, like I said, at least one or two of the three they have across from Frank Clark. The real K-Swag. With the Chiefs embracing the CEO of Sack Nation nickname for Chris Jones, this seems like the perfect time to make a Sack Nation boardroom poster for the Chiefs defense. (laughs) What would be some, or what would some titles be for key members of the Chiefs defense? Well, I mean, Frank Clark is the CFO because he's making the most money of all those guys. So he's clearly the CFO there. Um, Intelligence officer would be Tano Passigno because you know he's rumored to be just a ridiculously smart dude um man I'm petering out here I I had those two in the holster I'll let Maddie go let's see if he's got any yeah we know I do this on the fly this is this is a question that is very difficult on the fly (laughs) we are gonna call Derek Nottie the janitor just because his sacks are mostly gonna be cleanup sacks (laughs) uh I'm going to go, I'm going to call, okay, I'm going to call Tyron Matthew the CMO, the chief marketing officer of SAC Nation, because he has always given those guys some love. He is always hyping those guys. So there's your, there's your chief marketing officer, and he'll get one or two. You know, he'll, he'll sneak in there and get one or two. I love that Maddie, uh, <laughs> Maddie thinks that the janitor is a board member. I like this organization. Giving the little guy, you know, a, a spot on the board there. <laughs> That's how it works. Listen, this, this is how Sack Nation does it. That's how, <laughs> I like, I just, here's, here's what kills me about it. 
Exact nation sounds more like a municipality. <laughs> but we he's the CEO of Sac Nation? I Listen. love it though. That's what I think that makes it funnier, frankly. Like that's why I love it. That's why Brett Veach calling like calling him the CEO of Sac Nation makes it that just much better. Frankly. Within ten seconds of introducing it, I know. like that was that was the intro. It's it not was... like he just dropped it there in the middle of it. It was the intro. It was so good. Chiefs Daily fifteen. What is each of your favorite regular season games of the two thousand nineteen twenty season, and why? Uh, favorite regular season game. I really love, in retrospect now, the Baltimore Ravens game. Uh, That was when I made a very lengthy post talking about how the Baltimore Ravens were actively avoiding Frank Clark and that he was making more of an impact than everybody expected. And everybody hated that post. Like, everybody dunked on it, said that Frank Clark wasn't worth the money, that he was never going to be anything. And so now, in retrospect, looking at the way that the Baltimore Ravens handled Frank Clark actively avoiding him for over half the game it was kind of nice to kind of go back here and see that frank clark made the kind of impact that the baltimore ravens treated him with i think the chiefs going 2-0 against lamar jackson is a fantastic and correct pick <laughs> the runner up for me i think was the chiefs versus the bears and not because it was a particularly exciting game, and I'm not even saying it's the best Chiefs performance of the season, but everything was starting to come together for the Chiefs, both offensively and defensively. You could start to see some of the changes that led to the, ended up being the Super Bowl run. And I think we all thoroughly enjoyed Patrick Mahomes counting to 10 on his fingers after scoring a touchdown while Mitchell Trubisky sat there turning off the TVs talking about Patrick Mahomes in the locker room after the game. I've got two. The runner-up no. is the no. I don't care, Maddie. The runner-up, <laughs> the, the runners-up is the Vikings game. Tyreek Hill was the best receiver in football that week, and there's not very many bodies. There's not very many performances you're gonna find from the 2019 season better than that, just flat out. So that game was amazing. My favorite regular season game of the 2019-20 season, Week 17, New England. First Miami. Hashtag Fitzmagic. Uh, never, never. I've Guys, I've rewatched that this offseason. I'm not even joking. I have watched, I have watched Patriots Dolphins. And it was delightful. If I could have just found a way to get Kevin Harlan's call in there somehow with it. God, that'd be great. Lolit McGee. Andy Reid retires your Clark Hunt, and you can either hire from outside, trade for an elite coach like Sean Payton, promote a more proven defensive coach, Brendan Daly or Matt House, keeping Mike Kafka as offensive coordinator, promote Mike Kafka to head coach and find a new offensive coordinator. And this was under the assumption that Eric Bieniemy was gone, by the way. So. And Steve Spagnuolo, I assume. I believe Steve as Spagnuolo well. as well. Yes. That's fair. That's fair. I think that I would bump a guy like Brendan Daly up. I think Mike Kafka will eventually have that opportunity. I think he's going to get that nod just like many Andy Reid offensive coordinators do, but I don't know that he's ready for that role just yet. And of those guys, I think that Brendan Daly is probably the guy that has the most sway, has the most ability to gain the respect of the people in the room. So I think that Brendan Daly is the easy candidate there. I think if they hadn't won a Super Bowl already, then they would be hiring from the outside. 
I think that they would be going after the big name coach, trying to make sure that they land one for, for, or Clark Hunt here, but because they've already done it, I think they would they promote from inside. With this happening, presumably like right now, and just this one off season without any of these guys even really getting a chance at the coordinator position, I think I would have to just say that you're going to hire from the outside. I think just going daily from going defensive line coach to head coach or Matt House, who I think I don't think is ready for a head coach in the NFL job, just listening to his pressers and things like that. Love him as a coach, just not sure he's ready to be a head coach in the limelight right now. And same thing with Kafka. I just don't think he's proven enough to make that jump right now. I love all these guys and I hope they stay here, but I think they need to be coordinators before they're head coaches. So I would hire from the outside. You still keep continuity with the defense and the offense. You still have their guys coaching them routinely and just give me a different head coach. I would almost even say that I would be willing to give Dave Tobe a chance here because his role's not going to change. He's just going to have like 13 different special teams only players. I have no response. Maddie, no, no. Like that's worse than me saying Ron Parker can come back next year. That is equivalent. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, (laughs) They're trading for Cliff Kingsbury, obviously. Pat and Cliff getting back together. Duh. Why don't we just get Lincoln Riley up in here? We don't have to trade anything. Yeah, Pat, oh. Pat and Cliff. Pat and Cliff don't win football games. So give me Lincoln Riley. Oh, I am very fascinated by that one. He has. They have to keep Matt da- or Brendan Daly and Matt House. They have Sam to. Madison. I was going to say the defensive side. I think the defensive side of the ball probably could handle a head coach upgrade easier or a bump up easier because I do think the infrastructure on the defensive side of the ball has a lot more stability and a lot more experience there. I don't think I'd want Kafka trying to call plays and lead a football team jumping from quarterback coach. Although I think you got to, you got to do what you can to keep Kafka around because I do think he's the future. Andrew Nagel too. With the leadership of this D and the coaching staff around him, is it crazy to think that Taco Charlton could become a solid contributor who's more productive than Alex Okafor? Could he be more could he be more productive than Ogba last season? I don't think it's wild at all to think that. Taco Charlton flashed, you know, especially early in his career before last year, but even a little bit last year with the Dolphins, he's shown some flashes of being a competent NFL player. Like he's never looked like he doesn't belong on the field, like say his ex-teammate Charles Harris there in Miami. He looks like he belongs. Maybe he hasn't played up to the first round hype yet, but I think he was in some interesting situations. He looks like he's working out really hard. He sounds extra motivated this year, and this is a team that is going to pull out every ounce of energy you can get. You can just look at the relationship he seems to have with Frank Clark. You are going to get 100% of Taco Charlton on just about any given play, any given week, anything like that, just because of what Frank Clark's going to demand out of him and how he already looks up to him. Him. So I think there's a good chance that he plays a role. Ogba was very good last year for what the Chiefs paid for him, for what they needed. I don't think it's crazy to think Taco Charlton could have that similar kind of an impact if the season goes right for him and he really gets the opportunity to. And again, I'm not going to say I'm calling for it to happen, but I think he's going to be a lot better than the national kind of media or fans think he's going to be this year. And Russell 2018 asks, who gets the most sacks this season out of these three? Willie Gay, Juan Thornhill, or Colin Saunders? Woo! This is a tough one. Uh, give me Colin Saunders. 
I I still you know I I don't feel great about it, but give me Colin Saunders. Give me my large freak athlete linebacker that loves to blitz, and Steve Spagnolo is going to des- develop him a blitz package because that's what he told us in the presser this weekend. If you go back and listen to from the podium, it's up on the podcast channel, or read my article that I wrote about Willie Gay. You guys, I wrote a lot recently. Anyway, um, Willie Gay wants to blitz. He wants to blitz off of the edge. He says he's very comfortable, and he practically begged Steve Spagnuolo to give him a full-on blitz package so he can be on the field on third down. So I think we're going to see a little bit of that out of Willie Gay. I don't like that Willie Gay needs a blitz package to be on the field on third down. I don't either. That is that is either. excruciatingly alarming to me. We didn't talk about that. I'm surprised that was not a question brought up to us here. That is like sound every alarm in my head that I have been worried about since we've drafted him. I despise that quote, and it's still early. Maybe it's just because they haven't really gotten everything going on, but that quote really sounds like he is going to be a Reggie Ragland two-down player, and that hurts my soul, but... That being said, Willie Gay is definitely the answer here. I Colin Saunders, like he improved as the year went on, but he's like the last guy off the ball almost every single play, and it's just really hard to get sacks as a undersized defensive tackle. As odd as that sounds for his size, if you're the last guy off the ball, getting sacks is hard to do at his size. I think he has a chance to get some. But Willie Gay on these blitzes, on this blitz package with his athleticism, I definitely think he takes this with like a like a three, a three and a half on the year. Three and a half would be great, but the reason I didn't pick Willie Gay is because I'm worried he's not going to be on the field. He's going to be on the field, you guys. They can't, they can't keep his athleticism off the field. I hope. I Listen, hope you're they've right. been telling us from day one that he's not going to be I on the know, field. I'm scared. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, I'm very comfortable playing Sam or Will. Just put me outside, working outside in, or at Will working inside out. I'm going to be able to do all of that." Like he. He didn't shoot it down and say, well, listen, they're going to play me here, or do this with me, but yeah. I'm, ho- I'm he- waiting till week one, Craig. I mean, you can say all that, but I'm waiting till week one. Well, I mean, considering that's the first football that we're going to get of this team, we all kind of <laughs> have to wait until week one. <laughs> Kai, okay, October 2020, COVID-19 has plagued the NFL, and you are missing significant starters. Would you rather replace Mitchell Schwartz with Colin Saunders? Or Tyree Gill with Legereus Sneed. I mean, I just got done talking about Colin Saunders being undersized for a defensive tackle. I am not about to slap him out there at offensive tackle. I mean, he's he just doesn't have the reach. He does not. He No, there is absolutely no chance I'm going to rely on him to protect Patrick Mahomes. I mean, maybe if you at least gave me like a Mike Pinnell as an option here, we would run with him. But absolutely not. And... You don't have to have Tyree Kill as we saw to win a football game. So yes, you replace him with another fast guy. And then you just have two wide receivers that can only run fast straight line vertical routes on the field at the same time. Well, we're just gonna go right past that. Have you guys seen Colin Saunders catch a football? My man runs a good fade route. Yeah, okay. So what yeah, so he should, should play wide replace, receiver should over we tackle. Replace Tyree Kill with Colin just Saunders? Saying, I'm just saying my man has ball skills. Like he he's gonna go up and get that thing. Put him on a fade route in the end zone over and over and over again. Colin Saunders can be on the offensive side of the ball, but not at tackle. Conversely, we've now seen Tyreek Hill get mossed by a high schooler and then a defensive and tackle Colin over the last Saunders. two weeks. So the last thing we need is to put Tyreek Hill at cornerback. I do love that Colin went out of the way to say, Hey, thanks for not jumping, Tyreek. Like <laughs> thanks he's trying, for not he's trying to he's bad. trying to he's trying to protect that ego. 
<laughs> I, so Maddie, Maddie goes Tyree kill, uh, being replaced by Legarius Sneed. Craig goes Colin Stonders replacing Tyree kill. I go Tyree kill. I'll go with Legarius Sneed too. Colin Saunders has very tiny baby arms and that's really hard to you know operate at left at, at any tackle position at right tackle. You can't do it. It's impossible. It's like he, he's more of a fullback than he is a tackle. Like that's just the truth. And uh, that's the end of the show. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. We will be back on Wednesday. Be sure to check out the AP Editor Show. We'll catch you later. Remember, get Craig Stout verified on Twitter today. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.